0: I can definitely tell he's trying to play those mind games. <laughs> we hate each other, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm either coming out of this with a win or I'm going to the hospital. Um, and I think that's where I struggle the most. I feel like that's probably my weakness. Is
1: Hey, everyone. I'm Chris Hall, and this is the Downtime Podcast, where we're going to be taking you deeper than ever into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. We're going to be joined this week by Jordan Williams, but first, an awesome offer from We Are One Composites and some great new shoes from Shimano. This episode is supported by Shimano, who've recently launched their latest range of shoes, designed to take the gravity mountain bike world by storm. They've got an even grippier, updated old tread sole and an improved fit and feel on the bike thanks to their Torbalt 2 sole technology, which balances stiffness and flexibility for peak performance and comfort on the trail. The range contains clip and flat pedal options, along with women-specific designs with a slightly tweaked fit. Shimano is serious about providing great footwear for gravity-focused riding, so much so that you'll see them on one of the world's top downhill races this season. I've been testing the GF8 GTX shoes, which are a flat pedal shoe that's built to perform in harsh, wet, cold conditions, which we've had plenty of recently in the UK. These shoes have received amazing reviews, so I was excited to try them. For the GF8, Shimano have tweaked the rubber chemistry of the sole to work in low temperatures, and it's worked, the grip was great. They aren't heavy or hot to wear, managing somehow to breathe well and yet on a snow ride, combined with some merino socks, my feet never got cold. It's a reflection on just how good these shoes are that on wet and cold rides, I've not thought about them. My feet have always been comfortable and stuck to the pedals just how I want them. So if you're in the market for some new shoes, I'd highly recommend checking out Shimano's new Gravity range over on their website, mtb.shimano.com or at your local Shimano dealer. If you're not sure where your nearest dealer is, then look for the big blue button marked Find My Dealer on the Shimano MTB homepage. This episode is also supported by We Are One Composites. I'm sure all you downtime listeners know that I love We Are One's wheels. That comes down to two main things. The company has an incredible attention to detail, meaning that everything they do is of the highest possible quality. The second reason is the level of engineering that has enabled them to deliver wheels which find the perfect balance between stiffness and compliance, meaning they deliver a direct but not punishing ride film. There's also an added bonus that in many years of using them, I've had zero issues and they've needed zero maintenance, and I can't say that for any other wheels. For the duration of February, We Are One are offering all downtime listeners 20% off site-wide, excluding frames and bikes. All you need to do is to enter the code February 2024 at the final stage of the checkout process over on com. That's downtime with a capital D, February with a capital F, followed by the number 2024 with no spaces. All right, just a couple of quick things. Firstly, make sure you never miss an episode by following the podcast. Simply hit the follow button in your podcast app now or find dedicated buttons for all the major platforms at downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. You can also keep up to date with what's going on by following us on Instagram and Facebook where we're at Downtime Podcast. If you're hungry for more downtime, then join the newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter for exclusive behind the scenes insights, mountain biking snippets, product reviews, partner offers and more. If you want to support the show, then you can join our Patreon over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash Patreon or grab yourself some merch from downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. If you prefer to watch today's episode, you can check out the podcast on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at Downtime Podcast. All the links I mentioned will be in the show notes for this episode on the website downtimepodcast.com. All right, today I'm joined by Jordan Williams. Jordan begun his elite career with an amazing win at the opening round in Lenzerheide last year. The season that followed would bring new challenges for Jordan that became invaluable opportunities for personal and professional growth. In this episode, Jordan shares candidly about the highs and lows of his season, from the exhilarating moments watching Loic split go red in Lenzerheide, to the challenges he navigated behind the scenes. We delve into his transition to a prototype bike for 2024 and his plans to come out swinging when we kick off the season in Fort William. Tune in as we gain insights into the mindset of a champion, the resilience required to overcome setbacks, and the determination to pursue excellence in the face of adversity. So, without further ado, here's Jordan Williams. Jordan Williams, welcome to the Downtime Podcast, man.
0: How's things with you? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure, yeah. It's been a little while uh, waiting to get you on. We've been keen for a while, but trying to find the right time. Um, and now is that, and I, I want to start off away from bikes. Actually, initially, um, I spotted a few go karting images on your Instagram over the off season. Is that something that you've been doing for a while? Is that something you've been getting into? Tell us a bit about where go karting fits for
0: you. Yeah, that's been a funny one. So uh, after Mont Saint, took some time off, um, uh, and my dad is my dad used to race go karts, so. Uh, I thought we'd get back into that, have a little go. Uh, And we got quite a good one. It's pretty fast and yeah, been having some fun in that whilst we've been waiting for some bits for this year and getting back up ready for 2024. Nice. uh, There's a big
1: like go-kart track in monson right? Everyone goes as part of the whole monson experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's a big one in monson Sort of all the teams go there and fight it out.
1: Yeah, I hear you uh, You laid it down and, and beat Loic and gave him a bit of uh, bit of hassle about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, we went, all went, and uh, obviously when you go to a higher place, there are, everyone's on slicks. You don't get to change tyres or change anything, so everyone's on slicks. So it's so slippy, and it started raining like halfway through our session. Um, and I knew Loic was super competitive, uh so i was like right as soon as i see him i'm hitting him off and i'll uh yeah i did that and uh yeah it was so funny it was the best
1: excellent that's good to hear man what else do you do like away from mountain biking what else do you do to relax and wind down when you've got a bit of spare time
0: uh so i'm big into like supercross and motocross so i uh, watch all that watch all the videos watch every heat yeah i love all that uh and also my dogs spend a lot of time walking the dogs um and yeah just not a lot really just take some time off when I when i can't ride i just yeah i don't really do a lot um obviously the carting and a few bits but nothing crazy
1: yeah and the dogs are nice like distraction from I mean, everything else is like going fast related, right? Go-karts, motocross, supercross, mountain bikes. It's all about speed, but the dogs is a bit of a different pace, I guess.
0: Yeah, definitely. And with the dogs, they're they're always happy. They're always happy to see you and they've always got energy, you know? So it's not like your parents or your friends or someone where you maybe don't want to speak to them or you're fighting or whatever. They're always happy and they always want to do things. So, yeah, it's nice to have that energy and have the refreshment of those. Nice one. Well, we've not had you on the podcast
1: before, so we'll start with, uh,
0: I guess, getting a little bit of
1: background. And it started out with motocross for you, didn't it? You were racing pretty young, eh?
0: Yeah, so motocross is where it all started. Uh, My dad and my uncle uh, got me into it. and we it was... Yeah, racing motocross as soon as we could. Uh, but some big injuries happened when I was super young, so uh, soon stopped that.
1: Did that... Well, what what was the injury to start off with that kind of finally took you out of
0: it? Uh, so I put my arm up through my shoulder um, and also snapped my arm. So it was... As I was seven at the time, so as a seven year old it was a lot to take on, like three operations, sort of a year of recovery and uh healing. So yeah, it was a big a big break when I was that young and uh yeah, stopped the motocross, but I hope hopefully I can get another one soon and get back into it. Yeah, that's
1: enough to put anyone off, man. do, do you have any lasting effects from that? Is it has it caused anything that you feel
0: like later in your life nothing no nothing at all i think i was lucky that i almost did it when i was younger um so everything could draw back properly and uh heal nicely so yeah no problems now yeah brutal fair play well how did you transition then from mountain biking so obviously you've
1: had this like enforced year of recovery and getting your arms sorted where did mountain biking creep into being part of your day-to-day
0: yeah, that's a funny one because after the motocross, it was sort of I didn't really know what to do from there or where to go, um, and obviously as like a kid, especially in England, like I got into football. So football was quite a big thing. I was running around in a sling, like trying to kick a ball about, <laughs> um, and I'd say I got to actually quite a decent level at football. Um, Certainly not any pro or whatever, but when I was about 10, 11, football was sort of the next thing I was focused on. Um, And then I just, I didn't really like the team sports. Like you're trying your hardest and other people aren't. So um, I sort of soon realized that wasn't for me, although I enjoyed it and it was good fun. um, I don't think it was the right sport for me. So then we thought mountain bike is sort of, Sort of the same thing as motocross, so we got a bike and as soon as I got it, I just wanted to race it.
1: <laughs> Did it take you long before you actually went off to your first race? Because you were, I guess, relatively near to Forest of Dean, which have a really cool series of downhill races that's been running for years.
0: Yeah, so me and my dad had two little like hardtail bikes, like XC bikes almost, um, and we were just peddling them around, doing stupid things off curbs and that. <laughs> uh and then obviously because i'd been racing motocross i was like let's just do a race i want to do a race no like xc or pedaling or anything just a downhill as fast as you can go um and then just looked up downhill mountain bike races and the uh, forest of dean like mini downhills came up and i think that's uh that was a great starting point for me
1: yeah it's a perfect place right it's like relatively low-key the tracks are pretty accessible for everyone good crowd of people there like how was it though because you were competing i guess to start off with on a hardtail
0: yeah so on our hardtail to start off with like football shoes on uh like (laughs) adidas trousers just i guess there's a lot of kids start really um and yeah, just was racing and then it didn't take me long for I was like, I want to be good at this, I want to win. Um, and then got a downhill bike pretty soon. Uh, we didn't really understand much about it, so we weren't like get a trail bike because that's better. We sort of got a massive downhill bike um, and just tried to do as twist as I could and yeah, it was good. Yeah. What what was that downhill bike? What what was your first full sus? Uh, so it was a nuke-proof Pulse, the like 2014 okay. model. Um, yeah, yeah, quite a chunky one, 26-inch wheels, and yeah, it was a good starting point. <laughs> I won my first national on that a few years Sweet. later, so yeah, it was a good bike. Yeah. You won, your, you won your first ever race on that bike, did you? Is that right? Uh, it wasn't my first ever race, uh, but I okay. won my first national on that bike, yeah
1: yeah nice good place to start from so you've got the you've gone kind of hardtail to full sus you started to get these wins was it the winning that you got a taste for was that what kept you coming back or did you just kind of get into the the process of going racing what was it that you loved about it i guess
0: definitely was the racing and the winning um i wasn't such a fan of just like riding obviously i loved riding but it was the racing and the atmosphere, the the pressure and the intense, like, race atmosphere. Um, yeah, I loved it. And I just – obviously, like, I could race pretty much most weekends with the Forest Dean. There was, like, these Tavi, tavi Woodland races and uh, there's the Steve Peach still city race. So we were racing a lot, um, yeah, and just loved it. Yeah, and your dad at that point, anyway – Am I right in thinking
1: he was a truck driver? So like putting in the miles and getting to all these places was no issue for you guys, right?
0: Yeah, no, my dad still works as a truck driver. Um, and we yeah, had to drive a lot. I have nothing around my house. So everywhere you want to ride, you've got to drive quite far. And especially for the racing, you've got to drive into Wales. And yeah, a lot of driving.
1: Yeah, putting in the miles, man. So, how do you go then from like getting some success at like smaller local races, getting your full sus bike, getting to a little bit of nationals, to getting to the point where you're recognized at level where you get signed to the Madison Saracen development team? Like, how, what steps did you go through to get there?
0: Uh, so, moving from like Forest races and the smaller races, uh, we're racing nationals and the Pierce events um so probably doing around 15 20 races a year um at quite a high level i think when i was racing like my year of people and like the years around me um was at like a high level you see a lot of the riders now like ethan craig uh like dennis luffman um there was a lot of people that were super quick um in my age um so i think that helped a lot with the speed and pushing me on
1: yeah definitely and it is at the level at those races which i guess are, you know pierce is a regional series but the caliber of riders that turn up to that year in year out is pretty impressive right it's uh it's cool to see the those events getting so well attended
0: yeah no definitely i think also when i was in the juvenile categories youth categories um the Nationals were a lot popular for the the elite riders. Um, so you, you used to see a lot of the top like World Cup riders and top juniors there. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot more of like a National Series than it is now.
1: Yeah. So what put you on the radar of Will Longner? Because I guess it would have been Will that sort of spotted you for that Madison Saracen development squad.
0: Yeah, so I think it was... 2018 yeah it would have been 2018 Uh I won national champs and the national overall as a juvenile uh, and then I sort of we were speaking with Matt Walker um, and Will obviously um, about having sort of a development team they they hadn't had a development team for a few years so uh, I think they wanted to get back onto it and they picked me up and yeah it was cool for them to do that and i'm always thankful for them yeah it's awesome what kind of support
1: does that involve then what what do they provide you with
0: uh so i had a mechanic at the races um got all like the spares are needed spare wheels spare derailleurs the things you need um not obviously like a factory support uh but i certainly had sort of the best like pit area and best opportunity from the youth riders.
1: Yeah. And is it is it a given then that once you're signed for that like development squad that they'll take you to World Cups once you're old enough or do you kind of need to prove yourself?
0: No, I think uh, you've definitely got to prove yourself. I don't think it's a case of you win a few races and you're on a team, then that's you into World Cups, you know. Um, so then... When I was in my first year youth, um, I still had to race like Dennis Luffman, uh, Ethan, like all these top riders now, um, and I I won the overall in that year, um, and it was a close. It was a close It came down to the last race of the year, and uh, yeah, I had some good results. But obviously, the year after we had COVID, so had no racing, so. Uh, Will and Madison—they sort of had to believe in that first year and take me to the World Cups. Fair play. You—you you made the most of
1: COVID, though, right? Didn't you go out to Europe and like ride some of the tracks that you knew you were going to be racing the following year?
0: Yeah, we uh, obviously because there was no races at all. I didn't race for. I think before my first World Cup, it was nearly two years I hadn't raced for. Um Whoa. So me, me, and my dad made a big effort to uh, go out to say Val de Sol was a big place. I knew that Val de Sol was going to be at world champs in my first year junior. Um, so we were like, right, let's go to Val de Sol. That's, That's probably the hardest track out there. Um, the most lines. So it's the hardest to learn. Um, we went out there for like about a week, um, did three or four days riding and, um, made sure we sort of were up to pace with like the last year's race there um and so I could just get used to that track and see how I would actually deal with the track yeah was that
1: pretty eye-opening though right because you was you'd have been last year youth age at that point
0: yeah yeah no definitely it was when I got there I was like okay this is this is real you know <laughs> my first run like i didn't chat walk it didn't do anything just straight up on the lift straight down it um and i remember just like my first run down it, i had to walk like half of it i was like oh my god this is gnarly <laughs> um and it hit me then i was like wow okay world cups aren't as easy as they as you may think you know um And then after those few days, getting used to it, doing more and more runs, I was able to get the lines and actually ride down it. Um, And by the end of that week, we were there. I was timing. And obviously timing from a day uplifting to a race is way off. You can't compare it at all. Um, But I remember I was actually quicker than the junior winning time there um, from the year before. So you can't compare it, but you... You can kind of. So I knew I was, I was on pace, kind of.
1: Yeah, that's insane. That's impressive from ride from walking sections the first day you got there to being up to a pace like that by the end is is pretty insane. So yeah, rolling into your first World Cup. Then I think it would have been Leergang twenty twenty one. Um, yeah. How did it feel to be there finally? You've had this big enforced break from racing. It's your first time at a world level race with all of these people around you that I'm sure you've looked up to over the years how did you feel to finally be there
0: it was so cool a dream come true like racing world cups like it's the highest level of downhills so um yeah it felt really cool in the pits all these top riders and um yeah it felt really special to be there and also like before the race i was feeling really confident actually riding with matt and the team and um I actually said to my dad, "Like I'm gonna win the first World Cup." I felt super <laughs> confident, and I got there, and I was like, "Okay, maybe not. This is this is real now." <laughs> how was it then? How did the how did the race itself go from your perspective? It was a tough one, actually. My first World Cup uh, on practice day, or even the, just before qualifying, the practice before qualifying, I probably had the biggest crash of my life. Still now. Um, cracked my helmet, like could barely walk. Uh, huge trash. People may have seen it on a, it's probably on Pink Bike somewhere. Um, uh-huh. yeah, massive crash. Got down. I, I definitely had some sort of head injury thing. Um, but just tracked on with it. Uh, you know, I know it was a bit dangerous, but I wasn't scared. And, uh, yeah, finished fourth in the end. So, I was actually really happy with the weekend. Yes, a
1: solid start considering that's your first elite race and back racing after COVID. And the season, it was kind of an odd, weird season, that first one over after COVID. It was a bit short. We rolled into Leisure, I think, where you were second. Jackson took his first win. You were second at World Champs in Val d'Assault to Jackson. Were you starting to get, like, fired up at this point? Like, it you know you're getting so close to getting those wins it looks like you went into snowshoe with maybe i don't know a different approach or a new kind of a new attitude to things because the results from there were pretty impressive eh?
0: yeah no i got a few seconds i was second a lot that year to jackson um and still had some other big crashes a lot of learning um and then those last two races in snowshoe I was doing there the the long flight there. I was like, okay, I'm I'm either coming out of this with a win or I'm going to the hospital and not like (laughs) you know, I was all out for those last two. I was not holding back. Yeah. Did it
1: feel did he did you feel like you were taking significant risks? Or do you think it was just a bit more of a confident approach that you took to the track that kind of
0: paid off in the results? I think the like the first round there, uh, it was definitely all out, like not scared. Just I either win or I crash. Um, and then the second race was definitely more calculated and a smoother ride.
1: Yeah, fair. And then twenty twenty two again, it looked like you kind of were maybe more comfortable, more familiar with being at the races. Um, it was a super strong battle between you and Jackson throughout the season. It looks like Snowshoe kind of was the undoing of any like overall though. I guess. Like having gone so well in Snowshoe the previous year, did, how did you feel going in? Like what, what went on that weekend for you?
0: Yeah, so Snowshoe that year, like you say, it was sort of, that was the weekend where it sort of decided the overall Um and I was doing in there super confident. It was so wet, like, like ridiculous. Um, and everyone knows what snowshoe is like in the wet. It's pretty much impossible. So um, I laid it all down on the line, like the year before. Um, and I was doing well. I I think I was up a lot by the split. I'm not exactly how much by, but uh, I was up a lot. And then just crashed in the final section. I was struggling with that section all week. Um, and yeah, it slipped away from me there, but it was okay. Were you pretty quick to
1: refocus towards like Monsanto or did you shift focus all the way to World Champs that was coming up in Leje after that block?
0: Yeah, so after that race it was it was almost the attitude I had in Snowshoe in 2021, but slightly different, a year more experience. Um, it was sort of like, I'm going to win qualifying, I'm going to win the race um, for all of those last races. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was like, I'm doing it, I'm winning qualifying and race. I think it was three more races. Um, so yeah, I I won qualifying for I think all of them. Um, and then I only won two of them. Jackson beat me in Montserrat and I won Worlds and I won Battle of Soul. Uh but yeah it was good. Yeah, solid end to the season and that Leje
1: World Champs was an incredible event to be at just because of the atmosphere, the track and everything that went on. It must have felt pretty good to win it. Like talk us through your your week there. How how was it?
0: It was a good week. It was pretty stressful. Um like in the moment I I knew it was a lot of stress cuz I didn't want to go out of juniors without like a world title. Um, I wanted to win, I knew the overall had gone by then um, and this was my last chance to win at like a world title in juniors so I put a lot of pressure on myself to win that weekend um, and yeah, I really went for it, I tried to block the pressure out though um, I was having a good time, the team, Harry Malloy and those we, we were having some good laughs and obviously the rain came in and it made it so hard for race day Um, And you obviously saw Jackson crashed and I nearly crashed a lot of times, a lot of other people (laughs) crashed. uh, But yeah, I was happy to come away with a win that weekend and it really like, I don't know how you'd say it, but relieved a lot of like tension on my shoulders winning Worlds.
1: Yeah, like you say, you piled a lot of pressure on yourself for that result. How did you go about trying to like alleviate that pressure in the run up to the actual race run then what kind of stuff were you doing through the week to try and offset that pressure other than i guess just having a bit of fun with the team
0: uh not a lot really like i say just having fun with the team like wasn't worried about i have to be in bed by this time or i have to do this um like in the hotel we we're staying it's quite a funny story there was this like toy donkey or toy horsing, um, and Jack Chapman, one of the mechanics at the time, and Harry Malloy, we were putting it outside of each other's bedrooms. So when you wake up in the morning, you would be, like, surprised by this horsing. Um, <laughs> and I put it outside of Harry's bedroom, and he, when he opened it in the morning, it fell over, smashed up into pieces, or so the head flew off, like everyone woke up with this this horse just smashed on the floor um and it just sort of set the tone for the race day because we were just all laughing in the pits it was so funny it doesn't sound that funny but in the moment it was really funny and yeah it was a really good attitude and like a good atmosphere for race day
1: Yeah, it makes a massive difference, eh? And you you were um, very stoked to take that jersey. I remember seeing you there with a very big grin on your face all all afternoon watching the elite racing. Um, And you took that jersey to as many UK races as you could, partly, I guess, because you wanted to spend some time in the stripes because there isn't a lot of time when you're moving up from junior to elite because, you you know, you're going to have to go back into a normal jersey. But I think you also wanted to show people what was possible, right, in the UK at these, like, smaller kind of regional races like Forrester D and the Pierce series and that kind of stuff like why why is that so important to you
0: um yeah so obviously we only had one world cup after worlds um so I didn't really get to wear it much and then I knew there was two Pierce rounds um and the last national round after the world cup season um and I really wanted to do them. Like the team were like, "Why? Why do you want to do these? You know, there's there's no point. You've won it." Um, but I think because it was only three, or four years ago that I was in the position of wanting to be in this position. I kind of wanted to show the kids at the Pierce and the national that this is possible. It is like very possible, um, and just to enjoy the uk scene like enjoy it with my mates enjoy just riding and um yeah and obviously get time in the stripes before i had to hang it up
1: yeah it's cool man good on you
0: so when when in that season did you start
1: having discussions with uh lauren about a potential move to specialised gravity like how early did
0: that conversation start it was pretty early actually sort of Round three in, like, Leo Gang. Um, Nothing serious, just a chat, like, how are you, you know, just the the normal things you would do. Um, And then it built on and built on. Um, And then sort of by world champs um, and the last World Cup, it was like, okay, we need to make a decision now. Um, And some things... Some people weren't happy, some were happy. Uh, there was a lot of talks going on and it took a while to get like the deal done. But uh, yeah, we got it done and I couldn't be happier.
1: I was going to say, you must have been stoked. What was it like, like the first time you all got together in that team? Because I heard um, Loic saying that I think he wasn't keen initially on having another rider join the team, but Lauren ignored him and, uh, and signed you and brought you on board anyway. Like when were you all together for the first time? And like, how was that being the, the, I guess the new guy in the team?
0: Yeah. So we were first together in January, 2023. Um, We all met up in California, went to the specialized HQ, uh, didn't do any riding well we did a bit of trail riding but no down and riding nothing serious uh all went to watch supercross and did a few things um and yeah it was pretty surreal like loic was sort of my idol when i was first started riding first started racing he was world champ in 2015 and that's when i first started so he was sort of like whoa he's the one that's amazing you know um So, yeah, when I first met him and I was on the same team as him, it was like, this is cool, okay. (laughs) It's
1: pretty, especially I found an interview, uh, I think you were 11 in it on YouTube, where you were asked who you look up to, and Loic was the first name that came out of your mouth. So it must have been super strange to suddenly be hanging out and uh, going supercross and things like that, knowing you're going to ride together on the same team.
0: Yeah, no, it was really cool. I uh, Yeah. Deep inside, I was really happy and I was trying to act cool and everything. But uh, yeah, it was so cool to be around Loic and and Finn also like, same as when I was growing up, Finn was the one winning juniors and the one coming into Elite who was going to win it all and he's the new one on the block. So uh, yeah, both of them, it was so cool to be on the team with them
1: definitely. And it's a big change for you from like bike and kit side of things. How did you go about getting up to speed on it? Cause you've got new bike, new suspension, brakes, tires, like it's a big, big change from the Madison setup.
0: It was, I think the only thing we had the same was the, the wheels. Um, so we had to, we had to adjust a lot. And my mechanic knife, he, uh, it does a lot for me. We hate each other, but, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm really thankful for what NAFE does. And, uh, we did a lot of testing, a lot of riding and a lot of testing. And we, we got to a really good point and we had a lot of bike time. So, yeah. Did you travel abroad or did you just kind
1: of get stuck into a British winter? Where where did you do a lot of that work?
0: No, we did a lot of it in Portugal, uh, de Lima, Lusa, um, Fort William. We did, we did a lot. And, uh, also a lot in the UK. Yeah. And you run a pretty different setup on the
1: suspension to Finn and Loic, I think. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Every time I sit on their bikes, I'm like, oh, this is horrible. Um <laughs> what what's the
1: what's the difference? Right. Like how would you describe the two different approaches?
0: Uh I would describe Finn as he tries to have his bars as low as possible. Um not sure why that's just Finn's setup, and his suspension super hard uh loic is a a bit similar to mine um but also completely different mine i like to have it as fast and as foster fast as possible um Mm -hmm. i like the feeling of bouncing around and playing with the bike i like the bike to feel really playful um and yeah that's that was what works for me and not them i guess Yeah, is it it hard
1: in that situation where you're joining a team and you know, I mean, those guys have both got really good results under their belts and they're running the same equipment effectively in a different way. Is it tempting to go down that way? Like how much of what they do did you try or did you just go straight towards what you know you're familiar with from the past?
0: Yeah, no. I think me and Naif are really confident in each each other. I believe Naif and uh, we did our own thing. We didn't really do much testing with Lyric and Finn. Um, And we knew we had a pretty like individual setup where it's super fast and super soft. Uh, So we knew that like, let's just get stuck in. Let's make it work for us. and obviously it did work really well and a big thanks to Nate for helping me with that. Yeah, good on him. And you had
1: a, a super strong final junior season. You, you've you been putting in times that were very much going to challenge the elite riders. You must have felt pretty good um, heading into this season or the last season. And I, I think I heard you say, I think this is right, you had a goal of getting a top five result and you wanted to be top 10 at every race. Is that, is that right?
0: Yeah, so of like, super strong junior season. Um, and I, I was confident going into elites, but not as, not like, oh, I'm going to win every race. Like I just was like, I want to get a good result. I wanted to see a top five, which is podium. Um, that was my like one goal. And I, I wanted to be in that top 10 just for sort of like the protect, protection status. Um, hmm. And also just to be, sort of within it you know um and we we got one of them we got a win and we got the top five but we didn't quite get in the top 10 a few few of the other races let me down yeah and you I
1: mean and you got that monster lid right that was just before the start of the season as well so that that must have added to the confidence that you rolled into Lenzer with
0: yeah definitely got that just before Lenzer so that was, I felt like an actual elite rider then with the monster hat, the the big team, the the cool teammates, you know, it was, yeah, I felt like an elite rider. That's good.
1: Yeah, super good. And so we're at Lenzer High. It's your first opportunity to show what you've got against all the elite boys. You're obviously feeling good about life. Um, but a lot of riders, like, not a massive fan of that track. You, do you get on with it? Uh,
0: I didn't. I do now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. No, actually, Lenzehyde was, like, the one I hated the most. I really didn't like it. And then, obviously, this year, I, I do now. Uh, but I think that's me because they changed the start. The start used to ruin it for me because it was always straight in. You didn't get any sort of, like, peddling or no warm-up, and it was always straight in. This year, they changed it. Um, and I could warm up before I started and get into it. Yeah, and you um, I heard you say, again, you did quite a lot of visualisations that weekend. Was that a a relatively new thing for you? Uh, I've tried it before, but not as much as I did that weekend. Um, And I also spent a lot of time on track walk the night before race day, and I was looking at the lines and... um, I found this line that nobody was doing uh, in that real steep section. I don't think it really gained me anything um, because I did well on the rest of the track. I thought it would be like that's the line that's going to win the race, you know. Um, But it actually didn't help me at all. It maybe just helped me mentally. I I knew I was on that line and I knew it would be quick. But, uh, yeah, did a lot of visualisation as well. Uh, stayed up late that night, tried to learn like every rock, every breaking point of the track. And obviously it helped. Um but it didn't it didn't help in races later. Um I don't okay. think you can always do the same thing.
1: Interesting. So the the process maybe doesn't work the same every week, kinda of week in, week out. And yeah. we had this whole new format this year. It was the first time we'd kind of done it, I guess, other than the test event, um, which meant we've got semi-finals runs on the day. Um, I believe you watched Lowick's semi-final runs back before the race runs, so we have that opportunity to do that, I guess. And Lowick, I think, was the fastest. He won the semis. Um, it's pretty confident, though, right? Is that? It's quite risky, I would imagine, mentally to to go and watch that. Because if you see something, you're like, "Oh, I've not done that line, or I don't know that line." Or were you were you nervous to watch that, or were you like, "The right thing for me to do is to check out what the hell Loic's doing here?"
0: Yeah, no. Because after the semis, I finished ninth, I think. Yeah, ninth. Um, and I was quite far back actually. I'm not sure how far back, but I was quite far back, and I had a good run. Like I, I pushed it and went pretty fast. I was like, "Pois." I was I was actually like I'm not gonna win today. I I told myself I'm not gonna win, and may as well just try and go as fast as I can and see what I can do, um, and try and get that top five. Um, so I watched Loic's run. And I could just see he like he was breaking way less. He wasn't breaking there. He wasn't breaking here. Um, and then obviously because I did the visualization, I could, I already knew what was there and where i was breaking before um and i knew he could hit it like it so i knew i could uh and yeah just went into that race run and i was in the gate like i'm not going to win this i literally told myself i'm not going to win um i'm just i've just got to try and do the best i can and yeah it worked out really well yeah so you kind of overlaid Loic's semi-final
1: run into your visualization to check that you could do it does that make sense
0: yeah, kind of, and uh, I yeah. could just see he was, he was like on the limit, um, and I was far from it in the semis. Interesting.
1: So you you were in the gate saying, "Well, I'm not going to win it, but you know maybe I can do a top five here." How did you feel yeah. when you got to the bottom of the track? Did that change, or did you still think you were on a kind of top five run?
0: Yeah, when I got to the bottom, I was like, that, I said it in the interviews afterwards. I was like, "That's the best I had." Um, I hit every section pretty much perfect um, wasn't like crazy speed you saw like L- Loris made some mistakes and Loic made some mistakes um, and they were probably pushing harder but I felt like I pushed it right on the limit but just so I didn't make the mistakes um, and yeah had a insane run probably the best run of my life uh, and yeah I was Even when I'd finished, I was like, I'm not going to win. Like, I didn't think I would win, but, uh, yeah, I knew I would get the top five when I crossed the line.
1: Yeah, and you're sat in the hot seat watching last man down the hill, teammate, hero, Loic Bruni, and he's green, 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 and then suddenly it goes red. What's going on in your head? Like, that's an insane experience. It must have been wild.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. Like, seeing Loic Bruni come down, Like at the last split, red on your time, uh, yeah, I was just speechless. I didn't know what to do. Like, uh, yeah, it was crazy, especially with elites. Like everyone watching this race, like juniors, it's sort of not many people watches and sort of ah, well done, you won juniors. But when you win elite, it's just goes mental, and all the fans and. The media attention after the race was crazy to deal with. Yeah, what was that like?
1: Because I guess you've, you know, Madison like tend to be a team that's maybe not like thrown into the middle of the pits. Like you've got Syndicate, specialized, there's pivot, like there's always seems to be a bit of a central area where a lot of fans and, and media kind of gather. And suddenly you're in that anyway in the specialized pit, but it's you that they want, right?
0: How yeah. how did it feel? How did you deal with that? It was hard. I'm not going to lie, it was hard. Like, obviously, I was so stoked about winning the race. I just wanted to enjoy it and like embrace it as much as I could. Um, and obviously, all this media attention, everyone coming over. Um, you got Finn Isles and Loic Bruni next to me, and they wanted to talk to me. And I, I was just in my first elite race it was it was crazy to like think and be in that moment um and yeah it was I tried to deal with it as best as I could and Laurent uh helped me as best as he could Laurent's a great team manager I I really respect him and I I think he's the best person for uh like a team manager role uh he's so fair and he, he always helps you. He's super honest. and uh, Yeah, I think without Laurent, I would have struggled more. Um, but yeah, I think I dealt with it the best I could. Do you think you'd have done anything
1: differently given what you know now? Like a year down the line, would you have handled that um, that attention, that pressure over that week after Lenzer in a different way?
0: Definitely. I think you can always improve... On things you've done in the past. Um, but in the moment, um, I felt like I did everything I could with the knowledge I had.
1: Yeah, fair. But overwhelming, I guess. I remember seeing you in Lear Gang, and you were like, I'm kind of, I feel a bit like tired, I guess. Like all yeah. that attention, you're filming with Warner Brothers Discovery, all kinds of things. Like everyone wants a piece of you. How was how was it going back to back straight to another race? Because there's kind of no real let up, right? You've got a travel day, pit set up, and you're back into track walk again.
0: Yeah, it was it was tough. Like I say, after the race, I I just I wanted that attention. I really wanted the the media attention, but like whilst that was going on, it was sort of only a day, and then it was back into another race week. Um so I wanted the attention I wanted everything but I also needed like a week to get over it um but instead it was into another race week um so yeah it was hard to have that race mindset and the focus needed um whilst everything else was happening
1: was it was it a kind of a distraction then I guess away from how you would normally approach a race week is it is it more that than like a fatigue or anything from it.
0: I wouldn't say it was like a dis- distraction. It would more. It was more just learning it. Because uh, I feel like if I went into that now, I'd I'd know what would happen. I know what would like come to me, so I could handle it. um But it was just because everything was new. The team was new. The bike was new. Elite racing was new. I had number one plate, well, number 11 plate, but I had number one plate. We had the yellow plates, leaders jersey, all these interviews, everything. Everything was new. Um, And to take that on within the space of like a week was just, it was too much in the moment. Yeah, fair.
1: And how was the vibe in the team? Because it's a super competitive bunch of riders, you three. Like, Laurent's a brave man putting you all together, but... It seems to be working, but I'm guessing those guys didn't enjoy being beaten by the the new teammate straight away. Like how how was that vibe in the team?
0: It was, I think it was better than some people may think. Um, we got on really well. We we play, I, I'm sure as people have heard before, but like Uno and stuff, um, and it gets competitive, but it's it's not to the point where everyone's sort of getting angry like obviously you storm off you throw the cards but it's not it's not in an angry way Uh, we all enjoy our company we feel like we can always help each other Um, and like I say Laurent is is he's such a good person so he knows what to do and he knows what to say to people and yeah it was actually really good we were all happy the team environment for the first round and even like the second round Uh, it was yeah the team was great yeah that's cool and Loic
1: Loic has been open I think about saying he doesn't mind a little bit of mind games and you know that's all part of racing and being competitive with with people do you feel like that's been part of things at all this season like he's obviously got this reputation and this incredible string of results behind him and he you know he he knows how to get into people's heads I think and just maybe help make them second guess themselves like do you feel that that's been something you've had to get used to as well like that mental side of things
0: Uh, kind of but I know like me and Loic for sure like tell someone like oh you're terrible Loic or he'll say something to me and not so much for Finn um, but Loic I can definitely tell he's trying to play those mind games. But I think cuz he's he said that he like tries to play those mind games. I sort of knew it was coming. Like I knew he was trying to wind me up. Um so it didn't really I didn't really like it didn't really affect me. I knew he was trying to put me off. Um and I don't think that was why I got some bad results later in on in the year. Um, I think that was just part of first year elite learning the process um and a few mistakes happen i don't think those mind games really affected me. it was I just found them funny
1: <laughs> it's good to hear man so Lear gang, you finished up thirteenth, which would be a good result for any first year elite, but you 've just come off the back of taking a win in the first round first time of asking like had your personal expectations changed, or were you so? overwhelmed by all the attention and everything that went on in that week that 13th was like a result you were pretty happy with
0: yeah no obviously I always want to win like every time I go somewhere I'm going there to win Um, but you also like a top 5 top 10 is an amazing result and even a top 15 in elite now is is a great result it's hard to do a top 15 in elite Um, so I was happy but also because I had, number one, the leader's jersey, everybody looking, uh, it was kind of a disappointment. Like, how good would it be for a first-year elite to go to win the first two rounds? Like, that would be <coughs> cool. But uh, it's not always a fairy tale, so I was happy. But also, main reason, I was just, like, relieved it was done. I could relax and... Uh, some of that pressure gone with like the leaders' jersey and stuff.
1: Yeah, that's good to hear. And you came into Val de firing on all cylinders, did it look like you qualified first. I think you were second in semis but with a flat, is that right?
0: Yeah, Valder Sol came up. I was I was back to that confidence. I knew I could win. Like I was I was there, I was re- I was ready to take the win there again. Uh one uh semis second with a flat tire. Uh, didn't go flat to towards flat? the end yeah it was towards okay. the end um, we got Cushcore in so I could still ride it um, it didn't really look flat until the last sprint but I, like I could feel it uh, maybe like a minute from the bottom um, yeah second in semis and then finals it rained and I hate when it rains just before finals
1: it's hard to decide right what to do, I guess, because that track as well like ducks in and out the trees. So some of it's exposed to the rain, some of it's pretty well protected. You don't you really have no idea what's going on. Did you get any radio communication from other riders on the team that had already gone down the hill?
0: Um, not really no, but when I was warming up um when I was doing up on the lift, I was actually watching the live feed. Um And I seen Loic out of the gondola um, on his race run. Um, And I could see he was sliding about and he was struggling a bit. Um, But then when I was warming up, like five minutes before my run, I watched the live timing and I could see that people were putting in decent times. Not as quick as... I don't think it was as quick as semis. uh, But I could see you could push it. Um, And I think that's where I struggle the most. I feel like that's probably my weakness is when it's wet but you can still push as hard as the dry uh so yeah had a good run not not great nothing like amazing um but got down with a decent one i think i was second or third at the splits and then just that last corner all week i was sort of jumping into it um and there's a big hole at the bottom and i was just tensing and holding on uh and then just because it was wet, it just slipped a bit, collapsed, and yeah, unfortunately trash. But it was a good learning week.
1: Yeah, and would have been okay. on for a, a, a good result, I reckon, if you'd have not had that incident near the bottom.
0: Yeah, I think it would have been top three if I didn't trash. So yeah. I had I had that confidence in there as well. Yeah, good stuff, man.
1: And the next World Cup round after Fort William World Champs was Val Nord. And again, the quality run was good, right? Fourth place.
0: Yeah, another good quali fourth. Uh, super happy, and then again the the weather rolled in and churned things up. And is it? Do you put it down to that? Just like
1: not quite feeling confident enough to attack, maybe as hard as other riders might be. I guess Loic's a good example. Like he seemed to go out of that gate with a mentality that he was just going to go as hard as physically possible. Mm and make the conditions work for him, whereas maybe you were more conservative.
0: Yeah, so it was all started the night before race day. We got a text uh, about half nine, I'm pretty sure, which is late on a race weekend. Um, and we got a text that we're actually, ra- I think it was like half eight. We're racing at half eight, practices at like seven, so it meant we were having to set our alarms for like half four five in the morning. Um, and that's pretty early for when you're not used to it. Um, it's pretty early to get up at five, go in the dondler, because you have to get the dondler up to the pits at Andorra. Uh, in the pitch black, it's freezing cold, the track's wet for the first time. Um, practice at like seven, so you're like, trying to open your eyes, like riding down. Um, and then we get the news that, oh, we're not racing. We get more news at 12. And then by the time it's 12, I'm like, we don't know if we're racing, so I don't know what mindset to be in. Um, but I'm also like knackered at the same time because we're up so early. And then like we get the news that we're racing like later than we normally do. It was like half four or five that we were racing. So you're up, it's a long day, you're like racing, you're practicing at seven, you're riding with well, then, it's it was all like jumbled up, um, and it was also like wet, and then it sort of dried out, and then I got back into the mindset of, okay, let's do this, um, and then when we were warming up, it rained again, uh, and I did a few silly things that a first-year elite would do, or even a junior would do, like I didn't bring a coat up to the top, so yeah it just didn't really work out that week yeah fair so
1: what where was your head at at this point in the season because you've come off the high of this win you've had all this attention and then the results like the pace is clearly still there right the qualies and semis pace shows but it hasn't converted into race results for like the rest of that early part of the season were you starting was that getting into your head how are you feeling
0: Yeah, so like you say, I I knew I had the pace, like quali first, like quali fourth, all these good qualifying results and semi-final results. I knew the pace was there and I knew I could be consistently in that top five, but like crashes and the weather and a few things happening. um, I was honestly getting a bit frustrated and I wasn't enjoying it as I was at, say Valder and Lenza and I could really feel myself not enjoying it and some people were saying things to me and it would just annoy me a bit more like even people close close to me like my family like my dad is an amazing support he does so much for me um but he said a few things that annoyed me and it was a bit like just just leave me alone like uh nothing bad he was just trying to help but it just it wasn't it didn't help for me in that moment um and yeah i was just getting frustrated and i wasn't enjoying it uh and i was, I was struggling because down is what i enjoy um so I, I took some time off i was like okay i'm done i'm like took some time off didn't do anything didn't train just did whatever i wanted uh and then worlds came um and a couple weeks before worlds i got back into it i was enjoying it again training hard training as much as i could doing everything i could worlds week came round, uh and yeah i i really tried hard for worlds like did everything i thought i could and then again the weather came in a bad result and it, it i went straight back to like being a bit annoyed and not really enjoying it as much as i should
1: yeah was it hard to drag yourself out of that because once we were into Vauxhall, it was those three races back to back which is pretty hectic especially when you've got qualies, semis and race days because it looked like that was the part of the season where your results re- like even the pace in the qualies and the semis wasn't where we'd normally expect to see you and i think it left a lot of people questioning what was happening
0: yeah, it was hard. Like I didn't qualify at leger. Um and that's where I won worlds the year before. And it was a it was dry. I think it was dry all week there. Um and I think it was purely just because I was a bit annoyed at people. I some things weren't clicking as they do other times. Um I don't know really. It was just it was a lot to take on in the year and I really struggled at some points and people were saying things at the wrong time. And yeah, it was, it was hard to click everything together.
1: How did you sort of pull yourself out of that? Cause it looked like certainly snowshoe looked like you were back to the Jordan that we're familiar with. Like you're 14th quality, 10th semi, seventh, like in the race, working your way back up to like, the pace that you'd hope to be on top top 10 result like you said you were after like ha, what was different about snowshoe had you changed anything had you been able to like improve that mindset or what was going on
0: yeah so before snowshoe we had a another bit of a break uh took some time off just relaxed forgot about bikes uh took the dogs out and just tried to reset me Laurent, and they sat down and we just said, let's, let's forget about it for two weeks, reset. Um, and I came into Snowshoe with a good good attitude. Uh, and I was enjoying it again. I I was happy to be back at a race. Me and Nath did a bit of testing there um, on some of the little tracks in Snowshoe. Um, and yeah, I just tried to enjoy riding. Didn't put any pressure on myself. Obviously, it was a bit wet that week. Uh, so I was struggling a bit as others were Um, and it dried out and dried out and dried out and by race runs it was the driest it had been a week and I felt better and better through the week I kept saying to Laurent the more it dries out the the quicker I'm going Um, and then yeah the race came round and got a good result and I was really happy with that week I was yeah I was stoked to be back up there um, at the front of the field and enjoying it again Yeah, I was. I was really enjoying it. Yeah, and I was. I needed that good result to, like, enjoy it. You know. Uh, Yeah, it was good. I had a yeah, had a
1: good time in snowshoe. Nice, and then rolling into Monson and final round of the year, a relatively long season compared to the previous year, I guess. Like, how are
0: you feeling coming into that race, and how did it go? See, I had that confidence and the happiness from snowshoe. Uh, coming into montaanne i uh was felt like really good all week it was dry all week pretty much um yeah good quality result we had a bit of a mechanical um so quali didn't go as, as as i wanted i i wanted to win quality i knew i could win quali um i i was like warming up like i'm gonna win quali um but had a bit of mechanical so it it held us back a bit um, but I I had the confidence like, I'm gonna win. Like that night went really good, felt super confident. Practice was good. I was like, okay, this this is on. Um, and I said to Nathan, and Laurent like, I can win this. I can I can really win this. Um, and I was happy. And then about an hour and a half before semis, I think it it rained. And then as soon as the rain came down, it was like okay, we're back to this. We're back to having to go quick, straight away in the wet. Um, and it's not like the wet hold holds me back. Like I've won races in the wet. Um, I've won nationals in the wet against Charlie Hatton, who's now the world champion. Um, and I've won races before in the wet. So I, I, it's not the wet that holds me back. It's not the dry or anything else that holds me back. It's just the sudden changes that, I I feel like it's hard to adapt to.
1: Interesting.
0: So how how do you
1: go about trying to get better at that? That's like not because you can't just go to somewhere that you know and do it. Really, I guess like it's not like I'll go to Dovey on a wet day and see if I can ride well because you know you can. Yeah. Like how do yeah. you how do you overcome that like ability to transition from dry conditions to wet conditions and still be on a race pace?
0: Yeah. It's hard. Like I spoke to Loic and he sort of, he said he's had the same problem. Like, although he struggled in the wet anyway, like I knew I could ride the wet. I knew I could ride the dry. It was just that transition from being dry in practice to having to race in the wet. Um, and he, he said it, it took him years. Like he said, it took me years to do it. Um, but he finally figured it out. He finally figured how he could just switch and go flat out straight away. Um, and for me, I think part of it is experience. It is just happening and happening. You've got to get used to it. Um, but yeah, it is a hard one. to. You can't really go out and practice it. You can't, I don't know, it is, you can't just pick a day where it's going to rain at 12 and you you're out riding, you know. Um, but I think you, I can come into a better better like mental state and I can be more confident uh which i think i've I've worked out this off season hopefully we'll see if it happens again. yeah interesting. do you do much work with like a mental coach or any of that kind of stuff like how have you approached that uh no i don't I don't at all really um I've tried a bit in the past um but i feel like for myself i can figure it out um obviously this year i had some struggles um and i struggled mentally in parts um but i feel like a lot of the time i can work it out i feel like now i've had everything i've gone from winning my first world cup i've gone from winning a world cup to not qualifying to getting a half decent result um I feel like like this year or last year now it's sort of I had a lot thrown at me um and I've learned a lot so I feel like this year I'll be a lot more experienced and prepared for those things that happen again.
1: Yeah, you've almost like fast-forwarded the experience curve I guess a little bit like you've had a yeah. whole lot of experience thrown at you in one season.
0: Yeah, yeah for sure. I feel like a lot has happened and I've learned a lot so yeah. So looking looking back on the season, um,
1: well, I guess looking back on the season at the end of the season, and looking back on the season now with a bit more distance from it, like, were you able to feel happy with it initially when the season finished? And I, I assume now, looking back, you do feel fairly happy with what you've done.
0: Yeah, no, of course I've got to be happy. Like, I won my first World Cup as an elite. How can you not be happy? You know, I got some other good results. Um, some other bad results, but like I say, because I had so much thrown at me, I'm happier than it just being an easy year, getting a few top tens, maybe a podium. You know, I'd I'd prefer for it to all happen at once, and it to all happen over a space of five years. Yeah. So where do you go from here
1: then? What stuff do you want to personally kind of work on or have been working on over the off season to? come into the 24 season, you know, in the best place that you can be? Uh,
0: So this off season, I've really tried to work on my fitness and my strength. Uh, I'm working with Rico Martin this year. He works with a few other athletes. Um, So, yeah, we're, we're trying hard on the fitness and strength side of things. I've not done a lot previously, um done a bit but nothing super serious so i was like how are you finding it because
1: i've heard you say in the past that you hate training (laughs) like you're not pedaling or lifting weights not interested i want downhill bike time which has clearly worked right but you must feel now that there's a a need to have like all the boxes ticked maybe to be at that very top all, all the time
0: yeah i uh i do i do hate it i if i wasn't going for wins and everything. I w- I wouldn't do it, you know. Um but yeah, I think you can't have success without putting in some hard work. Um so we spoke with Laurent and weekends like Andorra where it's a long day, it's a long weekend, like those blocks of 3 weeks in a row where you're racing. You can be good for the first week or two. And then you you realize it on the third week or you realize it on a long day that you need that fitness. Um, And I think especially like Leger, that was the end of like three weeks. I know I can ride that track good. It was dry all week, um, but I just felt tired and didn't feel like my body was 100%, which it needs to be. So yeah, Laurent suggested that we need to do a bit more. I suggested that I needed to do a bit more. Uh, we sat down with Rico and, uh yeah, we're, we're putting in a lot more work than I used to for the training side of things. Interesting. Are you feeling any benefits from it yet? Yeah, for sure. Like, I think after Montserrat we took some time off and as soon as I got back into training, I was at my, like, strength already without doing nothing so it just shows that because i don't really do a lot i wasn't very strong or whatever so now i notice that on a bike or going out for a run or a ride or something i can notice that i'm fitter and that i'm stronger and you see those numbers
1: going up like is that helping you do you feel more confident when you see your numbers going up basically
0: not really some people are like oh my, i hit my numbers like got a pb today it's not really that it's more when i'm on the bike and i notice that hold on a minute i've just pulled that gap or i've just done that corner and i feel strong about it and it felt easier than it has done before so yeah it's more when i'm on the bike and i notice my strength on the bike
1: nice interesting are there other elements you've been working on alongside the fitness stuff
0: um just trying to be happy just just do what i want be happy and just enjoy it like i've said it before like i just want to enjoy it but because it all happened so quickly i didn't really so just trying to keep that positive attitude doing the karting, eating some chocolate you know just trying <laughs> to enjoy life
1: good on you man and i i hear that you're on the new version of the bike for this coming season
0: yeah we've just got that we had to we had to wait a bit um but yeah we've got the bike um we haven't got, we haven't done a, a lot of down and riding yet but it's done a ramp up and me and naif have got a trip planned in i think about two weeks so we're gonna really knuckle down and get some good down and riding in have you had any chance to swing a leg over that and, uh, and try it yet? Have you got a feel for like how different it is? Yeah. So I've only done one day on the new bike so far. Um, we did a bit in California, but that was sort of some secret stuff. Um, but yeah, the one I'll be racing this year, I've done one day on, uh, and yeah, it's, it felt really good. Obviously it's completely different. So we need to do a lot of work to it, uh, and we missed a couple of weekends, as people might know in the UK, like Dovey's been shut, uh, other places have been shut, it's been snowed here, like ice there. So it's been hard to ride downhill. Um, but, yeah, we've got a lot planned, and I'll be out this weekend on it, hopefully.
1: Excellent. Yeah, it be interesting to see how you get on on that. What about um, pitting for a year with Loic and Finn and uh, their mechanics? Have you learned things from them? Have you picked up stuff from the way they operate or the way they do things? Or are you and Nate kind of your own unit? Like, you know, you said you're pretty confident in the way you do stuff, but it must be interesting to see what those guys are up
0: to as well. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, especially Lurik and Jack, like they're the ones that normally create a new thing or they're so experienced in what they're doing. Um, And what I've learned from Lurik and Jack is that Every time they're on the bike and every time they're doing something, they're doing it 100% and they're 100% focused on it. Every time Lurik is on the bike, he's focused and he's trying as hard as he can. And Jack is always suggesting things and he's always trying to find these little things. Um, And I think I've taken that on this year. Before it's been like, oh, I'll just ride down like, I'll try that next run or whatever. I feel like this year I need to be a hundred percent focused and ready for every time I'm on that bike. Good stuff, man. And feeling excited for the season. It's still a little way off, but like it's going to come around pretty quickly now. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited. Not quite ready yet, Um, but yeah, I'm excited to get back racing and I feel like I'm going to put everything I've learned these past few years into this year and, just try and have a the best year I can. And are you gonna be doing much racing before
1: the first World Cup?
0: Uh I don't think so, no. We're booked on for national round one. Um we wanted to do the race in Taruka, but it's not happening this year unfortunately. I'm not I'm not sure why. Uh but yeah, I think we've got one race booked in and we'll see if we there's any more that pop up, but not too worried about it. Yeah. And will we see you at any of the Pierce races this year? Uh we'll see. We'll have to see because some of them are like a week after a World Cup or they're on the week of the World Cup. If there's a race that I can do or that works for me, I will I will go and do it. Um and same with the nationals. I'll definitely be doing less this year. Um but if it works and if we feel like we want to do it, we'll go and do it.
1: Nice one. Well, it was a pleasure to be overtaken by you at Rudder earlier this year, mate. So it's always good <laughs> to see you when you turn up and show yeah. us how it should be done. But yeah, man, it's cool. been super interesting uh, chatting finding out a little bit about you. Um, we've got our final four questions that we've asked pretty much everyone. So we'll hit those up really okay. quickly before we finish up. The first one of those, if people had £150 to spend to improve their performance on a bike, what would you recommend they go and spend it on?
0: 150
1: pounds. Hmm, not a uh, huge amount.
0: I would say tyres. Because okay. I, I see a lot of people with like crazy worn down tyres or like even like tubes in or just not very good tyres on. Um, and I think a good set of tyres uh, can really help. What are you racing on these days, mostly? Uh, we do a lot on the Specialized Cannonball tyre. Okay. Um, it's a good all-round tyre. Um, we rarely use wet tyres unless it's like Leo Gang, crazy mud. Um, but yeah, 90% of the time on the Specialized Cannonball.
1: All right, nice. Second one, if you could wind back the clock and it's not too far for you um, and sit down with your 16-year-old self, what advice would you give him?
0: Tough question again. Uh, probably just take everything as it comes. Don't get stressed about it. Just try and learn as much as as much as you can from it. Um, and just don't get caught up in stupid things and what people say. Just believe in yourself and believe in the team that's around you.
1: Nice advice, man. All right, third one. If you could have a coaching session from anyone, past or present, who would it be and what would you want to learn from them? Coaching
0: session. It's a hard one. Um, Could it be, like, say, from, like, 2015? Yeah, man, from wherever you want. So... If I was when I was in two thousand and fifteen, as everyone was, uh, it would probably be from like the Atherton's, because they were a, a okay. big thing for me. Same as like Loic. Um, I used to watch all their videos, so, and I think they were like so cool back then. So I'd love to learn from then, um, and yeah, probably the Atherton's. Okay, nice. Last
1: one. Is there one thing you do every day that you feel benefits you?
0: One thing I do every day that benefits me uh smile just smile just enjoy it like yeah just enjoy it. I see some kids just not enjoying it like getting pressured into it or whatever and it like it happened to me when I wasn't enjoying it I wasn't getting the results, so for me, just enjoy it.
1: Nice. Yeah, I went to a cross-country race and watched some kids racing earlier in the year and there was a massive difference. Some of them were absolutely frothing for it and some of them were in tears, like parents shouting at them and you're like, that either, either that's not healthy or racing's not for them. Like, yeah. if you don't enjoy it, don't do it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Fair play, man. Well... I'm excited to see how this season goes for you, for you man. It was uh, a rollercoaster of a season for you in 23. Um, incredible to see you take that first win. I'm sure there'll be many more in your career. If people want to follow you and uh, see where all, all this heads, where should they be looking?
0: Uh, on my Instagram mainly, uh, JordanWilliam17. Um, yeah, that's pretty much where it's all at
1: nice one i'll stick a link in the show notes people can find that but yeah all the best for the upcoming season and uh we'll see you at the races thank you very much thanks for having me that's it for this episode with Jordan. I really hope you've enjoyed it. A massive thanks to We Are One Composites for supporting this episode. Don't forget you can get 20% off site-wide, excluding bikes and frames, for the month of February using the code DOWNTIMEFEBRUARY2024 at the checkout on weR1composites.com. That's downtime with a capital D, February with a capital F, followed by the number 2024 with no spaces. Also, a massive thank you to Shimano. Don't forget to check out their latest range of Gravity focused shoes over on their website, mtb.shimano.com, or at your local Shimano dealer. If you're not sure where your nearest dealer is, then look for the big blue button marked Find My Dealer on the Shimano MTB homepage. I can highly recommend the GF8 Gore-Tex flat pedal shoes, which are perfect for riding in wet and cold conditions. If you want to help support the podcast this year, then the best way to do that is by visiting patreon.com forward slash and setting up a donation. You can also support by grabbing some of our fully updated merch lineup, which is now delivering locally in the US as well as the UK. You can check that out over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. Stay connected by following the podcast, hit that button in your podcast app now or visit downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook too where we're at Downtime Podcast. And for an extra dose of downtime, sign up to our newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. That's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride. (sighs)